It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April fifth, two thousand and twelve. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Good to be with you as well, and uh, good to be with our listeners on the other end of the line. And we look forward to hearing from you if you're out there tonight at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room with other listeners. And uh, there are other listeners that are watching, but no listeners that are chatting there yet that are logged in. So log in in the chat room tonight, and uh, let us know your thoughts on an interesting program that we've got planned tonight. Yeah, we need your feedback. We think our program is always better when we get listener feedback, and, of course, most people do their feeding back on the ch- in the chat room now. So if you if you That's are right. not in there, if you're not logged in, get a, get a free, simple little uh, account on chat roll, and you can join us. It's no problem, and you can participate this 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 study tonight, Jacob, I think is one is it's not a heaven heavenly doctrinal study. It's just one that we need for the sake of staying motivated, right? Staying busy, serving the Lord, right? Talk want, about zeal. Yeah, we want to talk about zeal or enthusiasm for serving the Lord, and uh, I really believe that, that is a, a an essential thing that we all need. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about how we can measure our zeal, see where we're at, do some a little evaluation. Uh, and here, here's, uh, let me just go through the questions that I sent out earlier today to our update list, reminding you always that if you are not on that list and you're listening, you'd like to be, send us an email at questions at collegeview.com and put in the subject line, add me to your list. We'll do it. You'll get this update every Thursday as we tell you what our topic for discussion is going to be. Today we sent out these questions for consideration, for feedback. Question number one. Why is it important to maintain a high level of zeal and enthusiasm for the Lord with the follow-up question being, how does one measure zeal? Right. How, how do I know if I do have a high level of zeal? Right. Question two, what are some of the warning signs that would indicate that my zeal for the Lord has diminished? Number three, who suffers if my zeal begins to fail? Mm-hmm. Number four, what are some things I can do to rebuild rebuild my zeal and enthusiasm for serving the Lord? Oh, good questions. So I think those are all things that we can uh, uh, talk about. They are valuable, important things for us. And uh, go ahead. Well, you know, some of the programs we talk about, you know, sort of doctrinal things that, yeah, we've got that. And it's good to be reminded, but, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about it. This is one that everyone can benefit from tonight. Because uh, these are challenges that we're all faced from time to time. Yeah, this is one of those areas, Jacob, where nobody can say, "Oh, I, I got that mastered. I, right. I don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm done. I'm done dealing with that question. I've got that settled." None of us are settled on this. All of us have got to be constantly vigilant, make sure we're staying at a high level of enthusiasm for serving God, doing as much as we can in His service. All right. Uh, the number to call again is 877-381-4567. Anthony is behind the controls tonight, ready to take the call. Anthony, welcome to the program tonight. Hey, thanks a lot. It's good to be here. Good. Looking forward to you joining in on the discussion. And uh, as we begin, though, I think it's important for us to define what is zeal, because you know that's maybe a word that we don't use all that often. Yeah, we probably don't use the word zeal or zealous too much um, uh, in normal conversation. We would use, I think, Jacob, the synonym enthusiasm, enthusiasm, or in- excitement. Okay, someone and but it, it's 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 the idea of of that kind of commitment that makes you very devoted to the outcome. Uh, you know, you, you could be excited about uh, uh, maybe a, an athletic team to the point that you know. I, I will watch it. I will watch the game if it's on TV, you know. But I'm not going to stay up too late. If it goes way past my bedtime, I'm going on to bed. You know, you could be excited, but you're not really committed. Right. Zeal is the idea of excitement and enthusiasm that leads to a, a, 
devoted commitment to this endeavor. Well, sort of like your son or daughter is playing in this game. Yeah, yeah. That's right. In other words, if you've got something invested in it and the outcome really, really does matter to you. Okay. All right. So the first question you ask is, why is it important to maintain a high level of zeal and enthusiasm for the Lord? Well, we got from Chris in Atlanta who says, Romans 12, 11 states that we should not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So uh, I think that's a good passage, Romans 12, 11, that actually tells us, commands us, that we need to be not lazy, but fervent in spirit. This is one of the main, uh, many attributes listed that start in verse 9 of that context that a Christian should have. Another word for zeal would be motivated. We should always be highly motivated to do our best in serving the Lord. Motivation or zeal is important because we tend to give things our all when we are enthusiastic and motivated toward them. Okay. I think that's a pretty good analysis of that. All right. Uh, well, we've, we finally got somebody who's talking in the chat room. Guest 880 says, Without zeal, we can become like the Christians in the church at Laodicea. They thought they were just fine, but in the eyes of God, they were lukewarm or indifferent in their service. Revelation right. three fourteen through 17. And the solution to that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, he, Jesus tells them, As many as I love, I rebu- rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So don't be lukewarm, but be enthusiastic. The opposite. Okay, that, that's pretty good right there yeah. because you get that contrast. The right. opposite of zeal is lukewarmness. Right. So, obviously, the church at Laodicea stands as a testimony that God is not pleased. The Lord does not desire his people to be just ho-hum about service to him. But i got to tell you, Jay, the reason why I think this is a worthy study for us in the virtual Bible study is if we could be downright honest, there's a high number, a, a fairly significant percentage of Christians that I think would be in that category that just their service is sort of ho-hum and anthony i think it's a sort of a natural development if we're not uh giving attention to our level of enthusiasm it just sort of will wane over time by by default right i mean anything in life that, that we expect to say perform at a high level we have to give it attention and we have to nurture that you know we were talking about the Masters Golf Tournament earlier. You know, no, none of those guys got there from just kind of half-heartedly going through the motions. I mean, they're pouring their their lives and, and their their energy into that. So, our Christian life is the same way. We, if we just kind of put things on cruise control, we shouldn't be surprised if we, you know, just kind of fall off. The hey, map. Anthony, I'd like to I'd like to play in the Masters Golf Tournament. Could I do it? Well. If I had the kind of motivation those guys do to, to probably hit a thousand practice shots a day for the last 20 years, yeah, maybe I could. But if without that kind of commitment, I'm not going to get there. Right. And so uh, that's a pretty good analogy. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. You know, Jesus wanted the church at Laodicea to be zealous and repent, and he wants us to be zealous and because he gave himself for us so that we would be in Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Jesus wanted us to be zealous so much that he died, so that could be the case. Yeah, exactly right. I was talking to somebody at services last night, Jacob, and they, they were telling about a relative who said that they used to, uh, they, they visited a church of Christ, uh, but they quit going there. They looked for a different church because they said they're, they're just far too many rules to keep it just requires too much and i'm looking for something easier mm. you know and so you know it with that attitude would you say that's a zealous attitude in other words i don't want to do too much and if that church expects a high level of performance of their members then i'm going to find someplace else to go i'm not interested in committing at that level well you would you would say that person's pretty unmotivated there's not much zeal there no uh and again would the lord be uh willing to accept that uh in revelation chapter 2 at verse 10 we often make reference to revelation chapter 2 verse 10 where it says be thou faithful unto death and i'll give thee the crown i'll give thee a crown of life uh he said this to the church at smyrna and they were undergoing intense persecution at the time he he said uh uh 
I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Uh, so they were living right in the heart of some hard times. Yes. He said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Jesus said, I know where you are, and I know what's going on there, and I know that some of you are going to be persecuted even to the point of death. He said, Back off a little. Take it a little easier. Don't be out there so don't get much. Some, don't have so much don't get so wound up in this you because get, you're just putting yourself at risk. Back off a little bit. Yeah. No. He said, be thou faithful unto death. Be thou faithful even to giving your life if it's required of you. And then I'll give you a crown of life. All right. Yeah, so yeah. We, clearly the Lord expects a high level of zeal and enthusiasm, very devoted and committed to him. And he was uh, zealous himself. Jesus was. In uh, the 69th Psalm in verse 9, in a reference, uh, in a messianic reference here, uh, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Uh, and in John chapter 2, verse 17, that uh, is referenced again, connecting that with, uh, with Jesus. Jesus was very zealous while he was here on earth, and we are to be his disciples following in his footsteps. We need to have that zeal as well. All right, now the, uh, the follow-up part of that question, Jake, was how do I measure my zeal? It's important to have a high level of zeal. I think that's obvious. I don't believe anybody would argue that point with us. It's very important to have a high level of zeal. How do I measure whether I've got high, a high level of zeal or not? That's a difficult question. We need to talk about that. A guest 880 says, to maintain our zeal, we must maintain our degree of love. Some Christians at Ephesus have left their first, or lost their first love. If you lose your first love, your zeal is also lost. Revelation 2, verse 4, love and zeal go hand in hand. Okay, so I think that's right. Love and zeal go hand in hand because... Love is that commitment that causes us to enthusiastically do what we should do for the object of our love. You know, so maybe that's one way you ask how you measure zeal. Maybe you measure it by your love. Okay, I think that's right. Chris in Atlanta says with we measure zeal by examining our fruit and looking at where we spend most of our time. Do we strive to be at worship, come prepared for Bible study, take time for study and prayer? Do we think about spiritual things, or are we more interested in how we can entertain ourselves or what we can buy and so forth? As Matthew 6.21 says, where our treasure is, there our heart will be. A pretty powerful statement if you really think about it. I think Chris is, is spot on there. You think about the things that are really important. What do I spend my time thinking about? What am I willing to invest my energies in? You know, we've used the sports analogy already, but think... You, you've watched those games on TV, and you've seen those guys who paint themselves the color of the home team. You know? Right. You know, uh, and they look absolutely ridiculous. Why do they do that? Yeah. Well, they're obviously very committed to that team and to the outcome of the game. Yeah. You, I mean, there's no doubt that they're an enthusiastic fan. Mm-hmm. They demonstrate that by what they do how they, and, and how they present themselves. Now, that being the case... How would other people rate me? That might be a pretty good way to get a measure. How would how would other people rate me in regards to my zeal or my enthusiasm for serving God? Guest eighteen uh, is makes a comment along those lines. He says, "Why is or he or she says why is it important so the world and those that are around us will see our zeal and ask more about us or our faith depending on how well, how well they know us? Then maybe a five minute talk will turn into a two hour Bible study." Right, and I want to expand upon that idea a little bit later when we talk about. Uh, who suffers if my if my zeal fails? All right, uh, but I really think the idea of getting a, a measure or a handle on our zeal is very important. What do I think about? What do I spend my time doing? What am I willing to invest my money in? Uh, where where are my energies directed? You know, if if it's if I'm if I'm involved in a sports activity, then I will go great to great lengths. I will travel long distances. I will invest huge amounts of time and money. I'm enthusiastic about that sporting endeavor. Uh, if it's my job or my career, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lose sleep. Uh, I'll get up early. I'll work late. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll forego other things in order to advance my career, if that's where my devotion is. Where's your devotion? You can see it by what you do, where you invest your time and your money and your energy. Well, if we're zealous for the Lord, the same thing would have to be true. 
If I'm zealous for the Lord, then I'm going to be willing to go to great lengths, spend a lot of time, exert a lot of energy. Uh, th- those things would be the same. If, if my zeal is for the Lord, they, I'd demonstrate that the same way I'd demonstrate zeal for anything else. All right. And So if I'm the kind of person who finds it very hard to get out of bed on Sunday morning and go to Bible study and worship, if, if I'm the kind of person who... Uh, is not willing to contribute generously to the Lord's cause. If I'm the kind of person who never talks about the Lord to other people, I'm going to tell you, if those things are true, then it's going to be a hard sell to stand before the Lord in judgment and say, Lord, I was zealous for you. I really was was excited about doing your service. And and the Lord would be right to say, oh, really? And and what was the evidence of that? Why didn't we see some of that in the way that you acted? Okay. Uh, we'll continue the discussion about zeal on the other side of the break, but uh, if you're not logged into the chat room tonight, it's very simple to do. Get in there and uh, join in the discussion with other listeners on the program tonight. We'll get to your comments on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. we get back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A bird that you set free may be caught again, but a word that escapes your lips will not return. When you open a door, don't forget to close it. Treat your mouth accordingly. Who finds a faithful friend finds a treasure. Find the good and praise it. We often take for granted the very things that most deserve our gratitude. Man, I wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And the virtual Bible study does continue. Thank you for being a part of it on the program tonight. We're looking forward to your comments in the chat room. Over the phone is even better, and it's toll-free, and the line is open tonight. As we talk about zeal, uh, a subject we talked about is something that we all uh, need to just think about and consider and measure our zeal. We asked the question, how do you measure your zeal? And we got some good feedback on that. We're getting some more good comments in the chat room. Starting to fire up a little bit. Uh, guest 880 says, references 2 Corinthians 13.5. We must examine ourselves, and this must be done honestly, whether we are measuring our faith or our zeal. If we're honest, we know where we stand in regard to our service to God. I think that's key. You know, be, and you might as well be honest with yourself because the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. So get, try honestly to measure. And 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 I wonder if Christians spend some time thinking, how does the Lord view me? What does He see in me? How if He were rating His devoted, enthusiastic, zealous servants in this particular local church, would He name me among those who are zealous or those who are lukewarm? I think that's a worthy question. All right. Guest 18 says, How much zeal did the rich young ruler have after he was told to give up everything and follow Jesus? Some will have this little zeal. It's very sad. How do we encourage these kind of people? Yeah, and I think that's a good example. The rich young ruler was not zealous because he wasn't willing to invest himself in the outcome of serving the Lord. And it shows you the seriousness of not having zeal. What, what do you do? There was not there was not much that Jesus could do. Or yeah. There's nothing I guess Jesus could do. If, if he's not going to have the zeal to follow, then what do you do? Yeah. And then uh, guess 636 asks an important question. Is it possible to get burned out? How do we prevent this so we can have continual zeal? We, okay, let's talk about that. that. That leads us right to the part of the question that we want to deal with next. What are some of the warning signs that would indicate that my zeal for the Lord has diminished Mm. and maybe is going down instead of up? Zeal ought to be the kind of thing that we that we sort of track on a positive uh, trend constantly. I ought to be more zealous today than I was this time last year, this time ten years ago. If I'm not, 
then maybe the expression that the questioner uses is burned out. Am I burned out? Has my fire sort of gone out? I'm not as enthusiastic as I used to be. What would be some of the signs of that? Well, I would offer uh, that one thing that would be a pretty easy indicator, Jacob, would be less involvement in spiritual activities. Okay. If I'm excited about something, I'm very involved in it. If I'm less excited, I get less involved in it. I've used the example before. When I was a, when I was a high school student, I was really into basketball. Okay. And you didn't even if you said let's play, and you didn't even have to get basketball out of your mouth till I was ready. You know, I mean, I I was I was there, I, and I was willing to spend lots of energy uh, in in that activity. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, my enthusiasm for basketball is way down now. I I, I can't I I can't honestly remember the last time I had a basketball in my hands. Okay. Uh, so you'd have to say. Just on level of involvement in that activity, my zeal for basketball is a lot less than it used to be because I'm just not as active in that. Okay. All right. This sort of goes hand in hand, too. The less active you get, then the less zealous you are. sort of a spiraling thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Think about that expression, always abounding in the work of the Lord. My service ought to be, I ought to be able to say that it's abounding. I wonder how many of us can honestly say that. My work for the Lord is overflowing. Uh, uh, probably not. There's probably not many of us who can say that we're just as completely involved, we're just doing everything that we can for the Lord, that we're abounding in work for the Lord. Uh, less involvement means less zeal. Okay. All right, so there's a, there's your first measuring point that you suggest is that uh, we uh, should gauge our involvement. How involved are we? That's a good good observation. Guest uh, eight eighty says it is possible to burn out. According to Galatians six nine, we can grow weary yeah, well doing. That is a good observation. That's a good. That's a good tie-in. Okay. Uh, another sign that I would argue indicates that maybe I'm not as zealous as I should be, or maybe that I've lost it somewhat. That I'm not. I'm not as enthusiastic as I used to be, would be uh, based upon a statement that Jesus made in Matthew 5, verse 6, when he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, as I've studied that verse in time past, Jacob, I, I've read and understood that the words that Jesus used there for hunger and thirst were words that indicated intensity of hunger and thirst, you mm-hmm. know. Sometimes we use the expression, I'm hungry. Well, I'm not real hungry. I'd like to eat, but I, you know, I already had a big lunch. Uh, I had a mid-afternoon snack. At, at supper time, I said, man, I'm really hungry. But, you know, I could really miss that meal, and it probably wouldn't hurt me. It would probably be good, you know, because we had plenty to eat all day long. So we say I'm hungry when we're not necessarily just starving for food. But I understand the words that Jesus used there in Matthew 5, verse 6 indicate a person who's about to starve to death. Now, a person who's about to starve to death, what are the, what's on their mind? One thing and one thing only. That's right. They're only, they're, they have a single-minded interest in getting something to eat because they realize that they may die if they don't. Same thing for somebody who's thirsty, and I understand that the word Jesus used for thirst in that verse is of that same intensity. It's describing someone who's about to die of dehydration. If you were about to die for lack of food or water, you would go for that with undivided attention. Right. Nothing else would matter. Jesus said that's the kind of person who's going to be filled. That's the kind of person who's going to be rewarded. If we don't have that hunger or thirst for righteousness, then it's it's an indicator that we're just not as enthusiastic as we need to be serving the Lord. Good observation. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Guest 880 says, if we are his special people, then we must realize that burning out is, is not an option that pleases God. We must be con- continue to be zealous for good works. That is 214. Uh, Chris in the chat room, uh, not, not in the chat room, rather by email. Chris by email says, uh, signs that uh, our zeal is is diminishing. Signs would include a lack of desire in attending worship services and Bible studies. Little de- desire to be around fellow Christians. 
Quit studying the Bible. No prayer life. Becoming more and more tolerant of worldly things like inappropriate television shows. Tolerant of immodest dress and behavior. Good, good comments. I, I think those are great comments. I'm, go ahead. I want to key in on one. I think you may have been jumping on one here as well. Go ahead. You, you, you go first. I was just going to say concerning attendance. Yeah. You know, it, it, it'd be hard to... It'd be hard for the person who does not attend all the services that he possibly can to say that I'm at at a peak level of enthusiasm for the Lord. You know, I come a lot. I come a lot. I come most of the time, but there's sometimes I don't. You know, I stay home. May I maybe make 75 percent of the worship services and Bible studies? I tell you, that person. It's going to be hard for that person to convince others that he's really excited about his service in, in the Lord's church. Okay, exactly. I want it, and, uh, and this sort of dovetails in with that. If you're not attending, uh, he says little desire to be around fellow Christians, and maybe just lack of love for fellow Christians. Paul, no doubt, was a zealous person, and notice his love in Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, make a request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Paul had a love for his brethren. I think that we can gauge our zealousness by our attitude towards our brethren. I think that's true. And then I also like what Chris said about being tolerant of worldly things, like inappropriate TV shows or immodest dress. Uh... If, if if we're zealous for the Lord, then we look at things the way he looks at things. And the things that he tells us that he disapproves of would also be disapproved by us. Exactly. And and, and if, I, if I have a, a, a tolerance for and an unwillingness to speak out against evil influences, then clearly my zeal is not where it needs to be. Anthony, any thoughts along those lines? No, I, I agree. I think all those points where you know, basically, if, if we're if we're willing to compromise, you know, that was the word that kind of came to my mind. You know, how zealous are we if we're if we're making compromises left and right? You know, with regards to you know the places we go, the th- the, the things that we watch on TV, um, you know, our, the parenting of our children, things like that. So that's definitely, I think, an indicator. And along those lines, a passage we noted earlier in John chapter 2, after Jesus is driving out the people of the money changers and those people are buying and selling in the temple, notice that the disciples noted that he was zealous for the Lord. For He couldn't tolerate the things that were contrary to what good. God's will uh, Yeah, well, that's a really good tie-in. I think you're exactly right. That, that's what made them say, look how zealous he is. Right. He can't. He, he's not going to go along he, with he this. Just, he just will not tolerate right. this, this ungodliness. Right. Uh, a couple of things quickly. We're getting close to break time, but a couple of other things I had on my list of things that show that maybe my zeal is diminishing. One is the development of a real critical attitude toward the church and other Christians. We already talked about our relationship with other Christians being important. But but if I begin to gripe and complain about everything that I see others in the church doing, I'm, in other words, I'm not, I'm not taking care of my own issue, but I can pick it and and complain about every little problem that I see in the lives of other Christians. I think that's a you know, probably a pretty low zeal, a problem of low zeal. Uh, you know, uh, if if we used to do a lot of camping, Jacob, mm-hmm. and if if you said uh, let's go camping, and I said yeah, yeah, let's do it, and uh, and someone says, well, you know, Jacob snores. When he sleeps. Are you sure you want to go camp with him and be in that little tent right there? Right. I don't care. I want to go camping. Right. Right. But if if I'm not really excited about camping and 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 you've semi talked me into going, but someone says, you know, Jacob really snores when he sleeps in that sleeping bag. Oh man, I don't want to go. You know, I'm not going to go. Yeah. If he's going to do that, I'm not going. In other words, what I'm saying is my zeal, if I have a high level of zeal, it'll help me work through any issues that I have with my brethren. If I have a low degree of zeal, then any little issue that pops up is going to is going to derail me. Well, furthermore, when we're critical of our brethren, we typically it's typically a sign that we're ignoring problems with ourselves. Because if we'll, if we'll realize the problems with ourselves and focus on those, we'll be less apt to see the problems with our brethren. 
and that sort of shows apathy and lack of zeal as well. If I'm if there are issues in my life that I'm not addressing, then uh, then by default I'm I'm I don't have the zeal I should have. All right, I think those are all. I think we've touched on some things. I hope that as people are listening, or if you and some may be listening, many listen in the archive version. If you're doing that as you're driving to work, uh, listening to the archive of the virtual Bible study, measure yourselves in some of those ways and see if. In all honesty, be honest with yourself. Are there some indicators that your zeal is not where it ought to be? All right. We'll take a break and get this week's bullet point. And after the break, we want your comments. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Theft prevention experts now believe that those loud noise-producing alarms on cars are completely ineffective. In fact, they claim that installing one of those devices on your auto is a waste of time and money. But why? Do they fail too often in actual use? No. Do the sirens, bells, and horns fail to make a sufficient level of noise? No. Well, then what's the problem? Well, the problem is that there are now so many of those alarms, and so many of them are accidentally set off, that no one pays any attention to them anymore. How often have you heard one of those and thought to yourself, oh, that's just another one of those silly alarms going off, nothing to worry about. I just hope the poor owner finds out before his battery runs down. It is very much like the little boy who cried wolf. After a number of false alarms, no one is ready to respond when a real situation develops. There may be a spiritual lesson for us here. God's word is full of warnings and admonition. It instructs us in the ways that we should go, and it plainly cautions about sin and its consequences. Preachers, teachers, elders, and faithful Christians are in the business of sounding out these warnings for their own sakes and for the benefit of all others. However, when these alarms are constantly ignored, they begin to lose their effectiveness. People begin to think, don't worry about that. That's just the preacher doing his thing. No reason to get upset about it. Hebrews 3.13 cautions us about the, quote, deceitfulness of sin and warns about letting our hearts become hardened. Pay attention to the alarms. Your soul is in danger. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We welcome you back to the program tonight as we talk about zeal on the virtual Bible study and ways to measure it in our lives, warning signs that it could be going out, that our zeal could be waning, and uh, we'll talk as we go along about who suffers if I, my zeal begins to fall or fail and what are some things I can do to rebuild my zeal. Uh, during the break, we were talking about um, some other indicators and uh, along the lines of being critical. Anthony, 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 has a good yeah, Anthony, that verse we were trying to find is 1 Timothy 5.13. 1 Timothy 5.13 talks about uh, with all... They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Right. So we were talking before the break about, you know, a sign maybe that your zeal is low is that, you know, well, you're rather than serving God or, or building people up, you're tearing people down. And it made me think of that verse, which implies that the people who are busybodies in other people's matters or the people who are tearing others down are the ones who are idle. They're not working for the Lord and they're not being zealous, so so they've got this free time, if you will, and they're spending it, you know, tearing others down. I think you're right. Guest 880. We're, we're thankful for Guest 880 in the chat room. Nobody else is talking much, but he's putting in some good points. Or she. Or she, he or she. Guest 880 says, when there's a lack of zeal, the end result is a lack of work that is being accomplished by the church because every part is not doing their share, and the growth of the church is inhibited, referencing Ephesians 4.16. I think exactly right. All right. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. If you're not signed in the chat room, it's very simple. Do that and uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, some other indicators that uh, we may be losing our zeal. Well, uh, we've talked about a lot of the important ones. I, I would just say, I would go back to the verse that we used earlier at the very start. I think Chris mentions Romans 12, verse 11. Be not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If, if I just can't get myself motivated, if I, if I, if, if I just admit that I, I just can't get going here you know, spiritually, then that's, a, that's a, certainly a lack of zeal. 
Okay. Let's move to the third question that we sent out earlier today. Who suffers if my zeal begins to fail? Oh, what? That's uh, simple. It's just me. And, uh, well, you know, we, we've pretty we've talked a lot about about us, about individually. You know, certainly I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be judged based upon what I've done in the Lord's service. Second Corinthians five verse ten: We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Think about judgment. I go to judgment, and and my record is drawn up, pulled up. I don't know how judgment's going to happen. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't really think we're going to see, you know, that the Lord's going to go point by point through, you know, our everyday life. I think it's, it's per, judgment's pretty much going to be, you, you go with the goats and you go with the sheep. But in judgment, how would I like to be able to say, I was a, I was about, I was about a sixty percenter. Yeah, you know, I gave I I I've, I kind of rate myself on a scale of of one to ten. I'm a six. Mm-hmm. You you want to go to judgment being a six? You know, uh, I don't. I, I we we understand we need to be totally committed to the Lord, and the judgment's coming. So certainly, a high level of zeal or enthusiasm is necessary for me because without that, I'm just not going to follow through. I'm just not going to be what I know the Lord intends for me to be. Yeah, you know, but hey. If I'm not doing what I should be doing, though, that's between me and God, and you just need to leave me alone. But this idea, if I'm not going to have the zeal that I need to have, that's just, that's just, that's my deal. Don't bother me. In other words, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. That's right. You know, if, 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 I, if I end up being lost because I wasn't as zealous as I should be, that's my deal. That's between me and God. You can just forget about it. That's right. That's not true, actually, right? It's not. No, certainly not. And so uh, my zeal is going to have a, a, a rub-off effect on others. Anthony? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, zeal is contagious, and, you know, lack of zeal is also contagious. We, you know, we tend to follow the lead of those around us, whether we like to admit it or not. You know, if we're part of a group that's that's just very zealous and active, then we're going to be motivated to be like them. Uh, and on the flip side, if, we're, if there are several people in our, say, congregation that are are sort of lukewarm and part-time Christians, then, you know, we can say, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. I, you know, I'm not going to stick out if I'm, if I'm, you know, not zealous. No one will notice because... So if you're lukewarm people. and everybody else is lukewarm, there's not much distinction. Sort of, sort of like when you were in school yeah. and nobody really took the test serious and it was so easy. Like, well, nobody's going to study. It's going to be... It's all graded it's on, on a curve. curve yeah. yeah, it's all graded on a curve anyway. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, you're not using an Anthony can yeah, tonight. Yeah, okay. Well, let me see. I'll give a little wave to everybody. Yeah, okay. there we go. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I got to know though that that shirt looks pretty rough. Yeah, I, I was a little embarrassed of my. He got shirt. his painting shirt. Did on. you get any paint on the wall, or did it go all on your shirt? Yeah, a little on the wall. Okay. Uh, uh, guest eighteen in the chat room hits one that I think is so important here on this question: Who suffers if my zeal begins to fail? Guest eighteen says, "Our families suffer. Uh, we, the person, suffer. Our lives will suffer too." Uh, so I, I think that's a key point. Chris, by email, had said earlier, I will certainly suffer if zeal begins to fail. Tragically, it could have a more profound effect on my children. When they see my priori- priorities shift away from the spiritual, this will make a powerful impression on them that the church and the things of God are not as important as the things of the world. This could also spread to my spouse, friends, anyone that is watching me in my example. And I think, Chris, again, Chris has nailed this. I think he's really got the right idea there certainly my family is going to suffer if i'm not a zealous devoted committed christian how am i going to convince my children right. to be that right you know think about it the what are the odds here's a fellow who's just sort of a nominal christian he's not very committed at all lots of things interfere with his even with his basic attendance mm-hmm. i mean he misses services for many things he compromises on lots of different things. What are the odds that his children are going to grow up to be strong Christians? Now, they could, because we understand that we're all free moral agents and everybody ultimately make their own decisions. But he's not giving his children a, a, a sound foundation upon which to make those life decisions right. later on. They could become strong Christians, but the chances are they'll be even weaker than him. I, I would say you got this half-hearted Christian. The odds are phenomenal that his children will be even less committed than he is. Right. 
right? Right, exactly. I was talking with a friend of mine uh, a while back about that, and you know, talking about how, how you know how can you influence your children to, to be faithful? And Anthony, I we we came to the conclusion that uh, you know kids are going to grow up, they're going to have a tendency to like the same things that their parents are like, or be interested in the same things their parents are interested in, and uh, so we've got to make sure that they see that that enthusiasm in our lives. Right. I mean, we're parents are the ultimate example for their children. I mean, no matter, you know, who their friends are, who their teachers are, who the preacher is, the parents are are the ultimate example. So, if the parents aren't zealous and aren't uh presenting that example for their children to follow, then we shouldn't be surprised if as Greg said, they're they're even less zealous for good works than than we are. And Seen that happen in the past? Oh, yeah, it's happened way too many times. Way too many times. The, 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 the couple that sits on the back row and, you know, they're there. Maybe their, their conscience bothers them too bad if they're not, but that's about all. And uh, their kids, they're going to. They're gone. They're gone just as soon as they get a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say also, we're talking about family. My spouse needs me to be a, a strong, right. devoted Christian, too. Right. It, 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 it certainly makes it easier to be faithful. When you have a spouse that's that's uh, uh, an enthusiastic coworker, if 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 my spouse is enthusiastic, then she's going to pick me up and keep me going at the times when I may be down or low, and right. vice versa. Right. And so we're, we're I think First Peter three verse seven uses the expression heirs together the grace of life, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not sure that it necessarily totally. It's that description that we just gave, but perhaps it does. First Peter three verse seven. My my spouse and my children definitely need me to be a strong, devoted Christian. Guest eighteen adds, "How will we convince the world or get people to know God if we're not zealous?" And certainly, there's some more people that will will there's, suffer as well. I think there's some people who are definitely going to suffer if I'm not enthusiastic. Then, then the lost people around me are going to definitely. Not, going to be hurting because I'm not going to be as likely to get the message out to them. Yes. Uh, I, I had a couple of verses here, Jacob, that I thought might apply to that. Uh, Jeremiah said, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, mm-hmm. but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah, was he was enthusiastic, zealous, devoted to the Lord. He said, I, I thought I'd just keep my mouth shut. I couldn't do it. Oh, so you're saying that uh, not if we're not zealous, then we... If he wasn't zealous, he could have kept his mouth shut. He could have kept his mouth shut. But he said he, it was like a, a fire burning inside. He just couldn't uh, keep his mouth shut. He, yeah. had to, he had to let it out. So it forces us to, to talk to other people about it. Yeah. But also our influence. I mean, who wants to be... I mean, if it's misery and torture for us to serve the Lord, why would anybody else want to say, oh, sign me up for that? Yeah. Yeah, we got we got to show it something good. Yeah. Uh, here's another expression. Uh, Psalms 39, beginning verse one. Psalm 39, verse one. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. The psalmist said. I wasn't even going to say. I wasn't going to say anything, even good things. I was just going to keep my mouth shut. But he said it was like a fire inside me. I couldn't keep quiet. So apply that concept to the lost people around us. If we're on fire for the Lord, which would be a synonymous expression to being zealous or enthusiastic, if I'm on fire for the Lord, then I'm going to be talking to other people about that. And the con, the the the, the other side of the coin, the contrary side is is is. Also true. If I'm not on fire for the Lord, it'll be easy for me to keep my mouth shut and not tell the lost people what they need to know to be saved. All right. 877-381-4567. Anthony, if you are excited about something, you talk to people about it. I mean, Right. You know, I think this has got to be one of the, one of the most um, sobering, maybe, things that, that we can realize when we examine ourselves. I mean, I... You know, and especially, I think it, it really comes to light when we see people, maybe in the denominational world, who are so excited about their their faith or what they see as their faith, and they're they're wanting to tell everybody about it. They're talking about God, even just in everyday language, sort of almost like maybe the Tim Tebow type yeah, people, you yeah. know. And it's like, well, maybe that they're a little bit misguided, perhaps in some ways, but that should be. 
um, cause us to reflect on how much we're talking about Jesus. I know I can do a lot better, and I would think most of us probably can. And um, On the flip side, as we were saying, the verse that comes to mind about when we, we don't have that zeal, uh, it reminds me of, uh, let's see, Matthew 5:13. You know, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing to be but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So, uh, you know, if we're not being that salt and being having a good influence on those around us, then we're basically worthless. We're told. All right. Real quick, our last we're up to our last break, but I would add one more th- one more category of people who need me to be enthusiastic mm-hmm. for the Lord, and that is the church that I'm a member of. Yeah. Take any given local congregation that church is not going to be all that it can be unless every member is all that he or she can be ephesians 4 verse 16 says the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love if if i'm on fire excited enthusiastic working hard totally committed this church is better off for that but if i'm not then this church is suffering because I'm not doing everything that I could be doing for the Lord. Zeal is contagious, and apathy is contagious as well. Exactly right. All right, guest 18 adds, uh, should we apply Psalm 39 too when we're at work? I work in construction, and there are a lot of attitudes. Uh, This will be very helpful to me. Uh, When someone is in my face, uh, they always ask why I'm so quiet when they are angry. This just backs me up. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. All right. And, and Guest 18 had also said in the chat room, how will we convince the world or get people to know God if we're not zealous? All right. We'll take a break, and uh, when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour. We've got to take, and hopefully our listeners will sign in. We need to talk about how can we re- rebuild our zeal. We've shown right. the seriousness of losing our zeal and how it can affect those around us. How do we make sure that we rebuild our zeal and keep it, keep our enthusiasm for serving the Lord? All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Among teenagers who identify themselves as Christians, 65% said they prayed daily. An amazing 72% believed the Bible. However, over a three-month period, 66% confessed that they had lied to a parent or teacher, 55% had had sex, 55% had cheated on an exam, and 20% either got drunk or had used illegal drugs. More of these so-called Christian teens watch MTV each week, that's 42%, then non-Christian teenagers, only 33% who watch MTV. That data is via the Barna Research Group. In the Word of God, we read this beginning in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. 
Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We welcome you back to the program tonight. And you can catch a podcast of our recent uh, recent sermon here if you go to our website, collegeview.com. While you're there, find out more about us. Find out uh, more about the College U Church of Christ who sponsors this program. Did I catch that trend right that more... So-called Christian teenagers are watching MTV than non. That's what the that's what the surveys say. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, some teenagers that need some zeal, I guess. Maybe so. Um, in the chat room, guest eighteen, we were we were asking we're, the, the question we're going to as we lead to the end of the hour is what can I do to rebuild my zeal for the Lord? Uh, guest eighteen says study more in God's Word, attend the virtual Bible study. Oh, I like that. So maybe use the virtual Bible study as a tool to try to get fired up again. That'd be good. You know, we with, uh, almost ever since the virtual Bible study began, Jacob, we've used the expression, use your computer for something good. You know, this is something good you can do with your computer. Get on there on Thursday night and join us for the virtual Bible study. Good good suggestion, Guest 18. All right. Uh, we appreciate uh, that and appreciate you listening. Here's some thoughts from Chris in Atlanta. How do I rebuild my zeal? First, pray and ask the elders and fellow Christians to pray for you. Next would be to take time to study the Bible daily. The more you read and really meditate on the Word, the more you see and understand God and His character and love. Next, get involved at your local congregation. I would imagine there are very few congregations that would turn away anyone wanting to help out. The more you make spiritual things a priority, the more you will appreciate them and be zealous for them. Another important thing is to guard against worldliness. By this, I mean stop living to buy the next toy or spending too much time in front of the television and so forth. I think television is one of the most dangerous things that can pull our minds and hearts away from spiritual things. I'm not saying we should stop watching TV altogether, but we should be willing to honestly evaluate what is appropriate and what is not. Finally, I would spend more time around fellow Christians. We should always try and make our best friends our church friends. If you spend time with people with similar goals and desires, it will be much easier to maintain zeal for God. Chris, I think Chris, I think Chris is, is ready to preach that sermon. I, I mean, he's been right on all night long, and I agree with uh, the, the points that he has made. Uh, I, I would especially uh, sort of re-echo what he said about study and prayer. Yeah, you know, if if you got a fire and it's about to go out, what do you do to the fire? You add fuel to the fire. Yes, and the way we add fuel is to to study the word. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 and 14, Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Uh, we, we, need to, we need to get that fuel that comes from exposure to the word of God. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He had to keep that connection going. Right. And, we, and we do too. Guest 880 says, If we're not zealous, we need to repent. He says, uh, Revelation, or he or she says, Revelation 3.19, these Christians were lukewarm, and Jesus tells them exactly what they needed to do, be zealous and repent. So, guess 8 says, repent if you're not. All right, and guest 18 adds, attend gospel meetings, ask questions, encourage others, put yourself last and everyone else first, serve others first, pray for others, set up individual Bible studies with others. Great suggestions. It's been suggested here in the chat room, and Chris's email also suggests the idea of drawing near uh, to fellow Christians, I I really think that's a key point. What are worldly people going to do if I'm around worldly friends and I've got a zeal problem? What are they going to do? They're going to they're make it worse. If I'm around Christians, devoted, faithful Christians, I'm not talking. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we'd have to say there are probably some Christians who wouldn't help you a whole lot with your zeal problem right. either because they're not too zealous. But if you get yourself around some faithful, devoted, zealous Christians, they're going to bring you up. Uh, Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2 Brethren if any man be overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and so that's a part of God's design for the church is that we will be there to help and strengthen one another yeah let's say that you're on a diet Um, you've been losing a little bit of weight here. a little yeah Uh, you've been hanging out with a lot of folks at the donut shop Doing that? No, no, no. I've been staying away from the donut shop. 
you, you don't. I mean, just in physical. I mean, things we know. Well, a drunk doesn't go to a bar. Yeah. You know, so uh, if he wants to uh, uh, to stay off the booze. Yeah. You, you you don't be around the influences that are hurting. You try to get around influences that will help. Yeah. It's, but when we get to spiritual things, sometimes we don't use common sense. Yeah. Uh, so I I think certainly two two keys here that have been suggested: study and pray, draw close to other Christians. Um, one of the we've mentioned a couple times in our study tonight, churches of the, the that are in Revelation two and three, some of the seven mm-hmm. churches of Asia, and the church of Ephesus has been mentioned a couple of times already. Uh, and in Revelation two verse five, the Lord told the Ephesians, "Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works." I, I might just emphasize the idea of remembering. Mm-hmm. You know, remember where you were. Remember. Maybe even think back to the day that you obeyed the gospel and how excited you were about your newfound faith in Christ and the salvation that you were blessed with. Try to rekindle that feeling. You know, rem- remember back to the way it used to be. You know, sometimes if people are having problems, for instance, if people have marriage problems, one of the things that they're encouraged to do is try to remember how it was, the romantic feelings and love and, and so forth, that the emotion that you had for your spouse in those first days of your marriage. And try to get that feeling back. Well, that works spiritually too. Try to get back to where you were. If you if you sense by honest evaluation that your zeal has diminished and that you're not as excited as you were at one point, remember that point and try to get back to it. All right, uh, Anthony. I guess the uh, what the solution would be get busy if you're not zealous. You know? right. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there's there's plenty of work to be done. Uh, you know, in, if you're a part of a local congregation, there's plenty of work to be done. Get busy there. And I really like, uh, I guess it was guest 18 in the chat room mentioned putting, you know, putting others first. Sir, find someone to help, someone who needs help. And it's amazing how much good that can do in our spiritual lives if we put others first. It helps us uh, focus less on our own problems, and it can help our zeal, as as we're talking about tonight. So that's another one, I think. I think exactly right. All right. All right, I think that pretty well covers what we think is an important topic, Jacob. I mean, there are probably more things could be said, but what we've done tonight is we've looked at trying to get a handle on our zeal, measure it. And that measuring needs to be honest. I, need to, I might as well be honest with myself right. where I'm standing in terms of my enthusiasm for the Lord. We've talked about the importance of having zeal and the fact that not only is it important to me, but it's important to other people around me, including my family, the lost folks around me, the people in the church where I attend. Everybody needs me to be strong, excited, enthusiastic for the Lord. And we've talked about some of the things we can do to sort of get that back and and rebuild that fire of enthusiasm for serving the Lord. Uh, And if it's gone down and if if it's diminishing in me, i got to be busy tending to that because my soul is in jeopardy. All right. It's very serious, and we do need to be keeping engaged on our zeal. Well, it's been a good discussion and an encouragement. I hope so. I hope we can uh, uh, spend some time, all of us can spend some time thinking along those lines. All right. Well, uh, appreciate your time tonight, Dad. Look forward to talking with you again next week. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. We're always open to suggestions. Be sure if you have questions or, or suggestions for study on the Virtual Bible Study, send them in to us. Send them to questions at collegeview.com. As our regular listeners know, we just usually build a stack of questions. Sometimes the question is such that we could devote a whole hour to it. Other times we'll take several questions and make a program out of it like we did last week. But if you have questions, by all means, send them to us. And our list, a vast majority of our listeners are listening to us in the recorded version. We still welcome their comments. Absolutely. So send us a comment if you have, if you agree with what we said, if you disagree, or if you have suggestions on how we can make the program better or a topic that you'd like to hear discussed. We'd love to hear from you at any time. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. If you've never been to our website, the address is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like for you to check out our archives, and uh, perhaps you can find some answers to some questions you might have in those as well. Anthony, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. And we appreciate you for joining us on the program. We look forward to you being back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life Study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.